Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. We are a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. It's great to have you here with me for a Monday, February 6th, 2023. This is edition number 21 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we will complete chapter 3 looking at paragraph 8. But let's pray first, and then we'll consider this paragraph together. Our Father in heaven, as we come now uh, to these very important truths and matters as summarized in this historic document, and as that which we believe um, summarizes what your word does indeed teach us, uh, we pray that you would give us insight into your word, understanding that we would um, not only read and hear, but we would then do uh, what we read and hear. We pray for your spirit to guide us and teach us and to help us in these things. We are pitiful creatures of dust. We have very puny minds compared to your infinite grace, infinite wisdom and knowledge. And so help us, Father, teach us, forgive us for the ways in which we fall short of your glory and be merciful to us, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we have spent any number of days now uh, working our way through chapter 3, which is um, on the subject of God's eternal decree. And we have considered, of course, that God decrees all things, regardless of what it may be. All things, all events, all actions of His creatures are governed by His divine sovereign will and purpose, according to His infinite wisdom and knowledge, rooted in His holy character. That, of course, applies then, therefore, to the specific element of the doctrine of salvation, especially as it pertains to the redeemed as well as to the reprobate. And so we have noted, of course, that God in eternity past, uh, out of his great love, um, has elected some in Christ to be part of his family, to be chosen, a holy priesthood, a, um, a special and unique people. And he has determined to pass by others and leave them in their sin and, and face the eternal judgment of their own sin. All of this, of course, has a tendency, I think, and I've witnessed it many times. Uh, I've seen it in myself. Uh, when I first embraced what is known as the doctrines of grace, Calvinism, if you want to use that title. I love John Calvin. I'm, he's my favorite theologian, but he would not be happy with the idea that this system of doctrine is, uh, uses his name uh, but be that as it may, uh, when I first came to understand the doctrines of grace, because I was not taught these things growing up, I was excited about it. I was uh, just overjoyed with an understanding of these very important truths, and I became the most obnoxious person on the planet when it came to these things. Everybody had to convert to Calvinism. Everybody had to understand it the way I do, and we refer to this affectionately, I think, as the cage stage. Maybe you've heard that expression. Now, sadly, of all the people on the earth, those who understand this high mystery should be the most humble people. Because they recognize, of course, at least they give lip service to the fact that they were chosen in Christ, due to, not because of anything in them or anything that they have done or anything that they will do but merely out of God's good pleasure. But yet, there is a certain arrogance, I think, that comes with people who 
understand these, these truths. And this is what paragraph 8 speaks to. A very practical set of instructions given to us in this final paragraph in chapter 3. Here's what it says. The doctrine of this high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care. Now, why is that? Because first, we do not know the depths of it, even if we think we do. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 33, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And yes, we understand the things that's given to us and revealed to us by the word of God, but there are so many things about this doctrine of predestination that is really mysterious to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And so we don't know, of course, who God is determined to save. We don't know who He hasn't determined to save. We don't know a lot of it. We know that God has purpose to save a people. We know the process by which He employs that. Out of His own eternal decree, out of His great love, rooted in that which Jesus Christ has accomplished, And he has been pleased to bring a people to himself. But there are so many aspects, twists and turns, means and issues that we frankly do not know. And so we need to leave a lot of this with the Lord, even holding on to this glorious truth of God's electing love poured out upon sinners. And so the paragraph goes on that men attending the will of God revealed in his word and yielding obedience thereunto may, from the certainty of their effectual vocation, be assured of their eternal election. One of the questions that I've heard from people is, how do I know I'm elect? How can I know I'm elect? Well, the answer is very simple. Friends, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The question is, of course, do you believe? Do you have faith in Christ? Do you trust Him for salvation? Nothing else. Merely in Him. That's all. If that's true of you, then you're elect. You have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world to have your eyes open and your ears open to the truth of Christ. And you have been given the faith, Ephesians chapter 2, to believe these things. And so you can be assured of your eternal election. And Peter, seeking to comfort a struggling church in 2 Peter chapter 1, Verse 10, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Now the question, of course, is what things is Peter talking about here? Because obviously, if one understands this doctrine, if one knows that they are elect, knows that they are united to Christ, saved by faith alone, they will live accordingly, for the Spirit will not leave them to live any other way. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. I've already read the verse. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Well, what qualities? Well, he, he says them uh, in the verses that precede this. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective 
or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And so, as the redeemed of the Lord, elected before the foundation of the world, we have been chosen in him for good works, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And so we can have confidence and we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, Paul tells the church at Philippi. And so it goes on, so shall this doctrine afford matter of praise, reverence, and admiration of God. Now, all doctrines should do this. When I was in seminary, one of the things one of my professors would often say is that all study of theology needs to lead to doxology. And while I grant that this doctrine of predestination, election, Calvinism, doctrines of grace, call it whatever you want, um, is rooted in very intricate, tight theological frame, in, in a very tight theological frame. But it better not end there. All theology must lead to doxology. And this one, of course, should be very easy to get to, to the point of praise and worship and admiration of the God of heaven, for that is why he has saved you. Romans, or Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. And so why did God save you? For his glory to his praise. He saved you because he loved you, but he saved you for his glory. He saved you that we might praise and honor him, that we might worship him, that we might find it a matter of praise, reverence, and admiration of God, but also of humility, notice, and of humility, diligence, and abundant consolation to all that sincerely obey the gospel. There's that word, humility. Calvinists, those who understand the doctrines of grace should be the most humble people that ever walked the planet because they recognize there's nothing in them. It was all of God. He, out of His good mercy, His grace, out of His own sovereign goodwill and pleasure, rooted in His love, decided to save you. You did nothing. Nothing. And so it should move in us a great uh, attitude of humility towards our God, and also cause us to be diligent, to serve and honor Him, and to walk in accordance with all that He has told us. Luke 10.20, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that, not, uh, rejoice uh, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so, your names, my friend, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, is written in heaven. It's written in the book. It cannot be erased. It is there. It has been there for all of eternity. And it will be there for all of eternity. And all it can do and all it should do is prompt in us great reasons to not only praise and rejoice, the God of, with, uh, rejoice before the God of heaven, but it should also cause us to live diligent lives, faithful uh, to him who saved us. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we begin looking at chapter four of creation, may the Lord help you today. May you walk in his ways. God bless.